time in. I think you said last night, fingers crossed for the next, what, 30 months? <laughs> for the next 30 months, our fingers are crossed. Uh, you know, because I think the analogy that probably is worth stating, uh, uh, the town of Plymouth has uh, had a similar situation and their uh, main sewer uh, failed. Um, and they weren't prepared and mm -hmm. they immediately had to deal with it and to the tune of $71 million. All right, Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, WFPR.FM, anywhere on the internet, and 102.9 on the local Franklin Mass area FM dial. It's a Thursday morning, and where there was a town council meeting last night, so we're going to do our town council quarterbacking session with town council chair Tom Mercer. Tom, happy Thursday to you. And happy Thursday to you, Steve. It's a little wet out, but you know, we need that rain. We need oh, the water. Boy. We certainly do. Uh, you can driving around. You can see a lot of brown spots already, and it's the first week of June. That's uh, not what we want to see. For no, sure. no, and especially with the brief little kind of dashing showers we've gotten, it also revealed, or at least earlier in the week, it was revealing how much pollen was really oh, around because you would catch these little, you know, yellow lines along the sidewalks on the roadways. It was like, what the heck? Uh, I can assure you, I know uh, I stopped at the uh, golf course at the country club. I don't know whether it was Monday night or Tuesday night on my uh, way home from work. And I was looking down one of the fairways and it was like a cloud uh was coming down the fairway of oh. pollen and it was just all pollen so, yep so hopefully the rain will uh help in uh alleviating some of the pollen issues that uh the community is uh dealing with right agreed yeah because it's uh, for some folks it's certainly this time of year and i know i've heard it said in some cases and i know my wife has said kind of like from mother's day to father's day is <laughs> is kind of the worst period <laughs> Yes. And True. this year, it seems like, if anything, maybe because of climate, whatever, we don't know. But it, it certainly seems to have been a little bit more and perhaps because we were so dry as well. It just didn't get washed away. Correct. Yeah. But anyway, getting to the town council meeting last night, again, you had an opportunity. And for the listeners, we thank you for participating. And if you're new, welcome and what we're attempting to do in the next you know several minutes is to at least condense the two hour plus meeting i think it was closer to two and a half hours to say okay what just happened what does it mean for us franklin residents and taxpayers so well, you started off again as you like to do um, but with two good and different recognitions both for the youth uh yes and uh as uh, i state uh every time we do this steve these are the kind of the the fun things we get to do uh but i think very important things where we have an opportunity as a council to recognize uh individuals companies uh the youth in the different uh uh things that they have accomplished and last night was no exception. 
We had uh, two recognitions and uh, proclamations. And the first one was to the Franklin Flyers youth hockey team who uh, won not only the division, but went on and won it all. And uh, they uh, spoke about uh, one of the games that ended in eight overtimes, uh, which to your point, uh, uh, offline, I think that may have been longer than the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to go uh, back and listen to the recording because I think that's what I took away, but I'm not sure. But yeah, eight overtimes, and then they finally won it by the goal, and it was like, yay! <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that. Uh, the kids really certainly had to be dragging by uh, the end of eight overtimes, but uh Certainly uh, uh, a great accomplishment for the uh, Franklin youth hockey team. And I think under 14 uh, was the uh, uh, age group. So that was uh, a very good proclamation that uh, I had asked uh, Ted Cormier-Ledger, who had brought it to, uh, to me to uh, put a proclamation together. So I had him read the proclamation. And then the next one we had was uh, the Franklin High School Theater Company, uh, which is another one that uh, uh, actually Councillor Jones had brought that and asked to have those uh, that group come to a council meeting. So we had a proclamation for them last night. Unfortunately, Councillor Jones was uh, ill and was unable to attend, but uh, he was there in spirit and certainly was there on Zoom. So mm -hmm. uh, we got a chance to recognize the Franklin High School Theater Group uh, who went uh, into the districts and uh, into the regionals, which is really a uh, a first for that theater group. So uh, certainly congratulations to all of those involved, to the uh, the kids themselves, as well as their uh, advisors and leaders of that group. Yeah, I think both the comments on both of them speak to some of the things that we've had current, certainly recurring themes. There are good things that's happening all throughout Franklin. So this brings out two on the youth side, certainly the younger kids on the U14s and the hockey, youth hockey, which as we're all aware or should be aware, that certainly leads to the high school success as well, because the kids don't walk into high school and all of a sudden all of a sudden start playing top level hockey. They've been working at it for a number of years. Exactly. And then, to a certain extent, you know, a lot of time is spent on other high school recognitions, but the theater group in this particular one, the way the competition was designed, they had to, you know, within a specific time period, create the stage, create the performance, deliver the performance. And then to your point, and as noted, you know, they were one of the top 14 to go through to do that. So, yeah, it's it, there's a lot of goodness there. And that's that's all very much share worthy and should be uh, at each of these uh, that you have the opportunity to do so. It's always good to highlight what's what else is going on. Absolutely. And, you know, I would uh, reach out to the community and say if there is individuals or uh, groups or uh, 
organizations that uh, have some accomplishments that should be recognized by the community, please feel free. Give me a call. Uh, we love to do these kinds of things. Not always do we have the fun things to do at a council, at the council meeting. Mm -hmm. So when we have opportunities to do things like this, uh, we look forward to it as a council. Right. Yeah. And certainly use that platform well to keep the community informed about the business, which we'll get into, but certainly some of the fun things. So that's that's all goodness. And then we can segue into the business because you had a couple of license transactions uh, to do on the alcohol side. Yes. Uh, the first one uh, we had to do was for uh, the railery, which is public house, which is stop and shop. Uh, so what they did was they came in requesting uh, just a change in hours on Sunday, their current license uh has an opening town of 11 uh, opening time of 11 a.m. and they wanted to drop that back to 10 a.m. to maybe take advantage of a bigger brunch uh, situation for uh, on a Sunday. So, so anyway, uh, any license, uh, any change in hours uh, does have to come back through the council. So last night uh, they came in and we approved uh, uh, the changing of hours to allow them to broaden their base with their uh, brunch situation on Sundays. Yeah. And this is one of those things where specifically you didn't approve the overall opening hours, but you approved the license, alcohol license serving capability. So, yeah, they could have started their brunch, you know, call it nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, but they couldn't serve anything with it from yeah. an alcohol perspective. But now they've asked for that extra hour so they can start a little bit earlier. And, yeah, there may be a market for that. And yeah. kudos to them for asking. And hopefully they're successful. You know, uh, I'm sure there are people that uh, might have come in at 10 o'clock that might have been looking for a Bloody Mary or a mimosa mm -hmm. to start their Sunday morning off. So, uh, so that was uh, that was a good thing, and it's one of those things that we like to do to help local businesses uh, grow. And then the second one also is in that local business, although not Franklin based, but we would benefit because they're looking for a poor license, farmer's license for the farmer's market. Yes, uh, this was uh, Crave Mead LLC, Rachel Humphreys, uh, who came forward uh, looking for a uh, pouring license for the uh, or a farmer's market license to, to allow samples and the sale of bottled wine at the uh, Franklin's Farmer's Market. Uh, so again, uh, this is a license that uh, we created when the Farmer's Market started. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a specific license for the Farmer's Market. And uh, this is an individual coming forward from Blackstone that uh, is looking to pour and sell some of their uh, wines at the farmer's market so we approve this license uh obviously as you heard last night there's a little bit of a waiting period i think the first one that she's scheduled to be at is in july so uh 
there's plenty of time for all the paperwork to get filed locally as well as at uh, the state level to mm-hmm. make sure that this license is in place uh, by the time her first farmer's market uh, comes about. Yep. And I think this reinforces a couple of points, too, in terms of both local and business close the farmer's market. Now that we're into June, it happens every Friday through October, with the one exception of the 4th of July, because of that festival, it just complicates. So there's no farmer's market that weekend. Um, But it truly is local. So there's a lot of Franklin based indoor neighboring community based organizations, businesses like this one from Blackstone. There's different farms, et cetera, crafts. And the farmer's market really is a fun place to be on any Friday afternoon, coordinating as well with the recreation department and the cultural council sponsoring, uh, whether it's the concerts on the common or some movie nights. There's a lot happening just at the farmer's market on a Friday. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And then a topic we hadn't heard a bit from in a while was the new style and uh, a new interest, if you will, although I think new is somewhat relative, um, but with some opportunities that have come up through some ARPA funds and some renewed interest, uh, a team spent the full day yesterday, never mind in advance, preparing, and then presented a couple of options to, oh, we might be able to move this in some ways. So th- this this will be an interesting discussion. Uh, it, it will be as, as we move forward, Steve. One of the uh... This is just uh, to your point, uh, the use of ARPA funds and the use of uh, state agencies that have put this group of experts uh, that donate their time uh, to work together as a team to help municipalities uh, with some of these um for lack of a better term, dirty sites. Yeah, uh, um, So uh, this was an opportunity where uh, our uh, planning department uh, put a request in and uh, we were accepted. And this group of people came out and spent the day looking uh, at the new style site out on Grove Street. Uh, not everybody knows when you say new style, the site uh, that we're talking about, but it is the site where uh, the marble place is uh, where the tracks cross over um, Grove Street, where the martial arts place there was formerly back in the 70s, uh, uh, in the in early 80s, a jewelry factory that was there, and there was some uh, certainly issues uh, with some contamination of the site over time. But it's a site that we as a town council have been dealing with for as long as I've been on the town council. Mm-hmm. Yep. It seems to be an annual uh, discussion about the new style site. Uh, none of it very good, uh, all of it being uh, uh, negative and uh, all about the cleanup and the cost for the cleanup and so forth, uh, which we have kind of picked at over the years when money's been available and uh, when grants have been available with the EPA and uh, DEP 
to uh, clean parts of that site, which we, we have done. But this group uh, have been put together to help us uh, come up with options as to what we can do with this uh, site and the best way to finish cleaning it up to the extent that we could sell the property mm -hmm. uh, and make use of that uh, site uh, commercially, uh, retail, business-wise, whatever, and get it back on the tax conference again. Right. Uh, so really look forward to they they made a great presentation last night uh they spent the entire day uh reviewing and not that that was the first time they looked at the site because they had been sent information uh over the last few months uh so that they had some background information before they met yesterday but they also met with uh, uh property owners of butters uh, property owners in the area uh, to talk to them and um, they have uh, they then they gave us a kind of a recap of what they had talked about during the course of the day and the different options that they think might uh, work on that property uh, they need another uh, I believe their final report is due in 10 weeks or 10 to 12 weeks. We will get their final report and then we will have some further discussions. Uh, not to say that in, over the next 10 or 12 weeks, they gave us a couple of options. One to looking at land swapping to uh, give us the flexibility to uh, clean up the site a little bit more, unfortunately, because of the size of the piece and the contamination, because they were both part, the two parcels involved uh, were once one parcel and then it was separated, one was sold. So you have an individual landowner or property owner that uh, we really need that piece of property as well in order to clean up both pieces. So anyway, there's some homework for us to do, but as I think I stated last night, uh, it's the first time in my dozen years on the council that uh, there may be a glimmer, a glimmer mm -hmm. of hope on the horizon to be able to put this uh, piece of property behind us. Uh, we did take it for taxes back in the day uh, because it was just sitting there and needed to be cleaned up to the extent we were able to clean it up. Uh, but it would be nice to get it back onto the tax coffers. And that's uh, ultimately what our plan is as a council. Indeed. Yeah. And uh, to summarize and add a couple of points, I think, along the way, and I think you certainly did a good summary anyway, but there's a couple other points I think it would be good to reiterate. Um, it is complex, obviously. The site, as you mentioned, was indeed split, which indeed, as much as you've been able to through grants and other accessible funds, have been able to clean up one site to clean it up more requires demolition of the building, which also requires coordination and or easement with the other property, which gets complicated. So 
if he could get the two together, it would be much easier to truly find out, you know, what the real assessment is. But at this point, based upon the cleanup that's been done between EPA, DEP, et cetera, there's limited use for the sites. Um, but the other neighboring properties are within those limited uses. From a safety perspective, we're fine. Yes. The work remains in terms of, okay, how do we get that kind of joint ownership in which way we do it? Because we'll have some advantages with the state grant if we had both properties, whereas if the private owner would try to do some of the redevelopment, he would have to get a loan, which may be cost prohibitive for him to try and do his piece. And he would still need to coordinate with us anyway. So it kind of makes more sense. Get the two together. However, that can happen. That's going to be a whole lot of work. Yeah. And then do the work to remediate, assess, prepare it. Ultimately, yes, to get it back on the revenue book so that we can do something. Because yeah. if we do nothing, it's still going to sit there. It's still going to cost some money. And we're never getting anything else on the revenue side. So and yeah. 12 years from now, another 12 years from now, we'll still be having annual discussions. So right. Uh, right. as I said, it's a glimmer. It's a glimmer that I hope gets bigger. Yep, indeed. So more to come on that front, but yeah, the new style archives, um, I know it goes back at least since I started, because uh, I think one of the grants was in 2008, there was another in 2010 or 12 or something where some of the work was done. So yeah, new style will have come back and would be more part of a conversation. Although I think the final report, as you said, is another 10 weeks away. Yeah. So yeah. it's coming. <laughs> But yeah, there's a lot uh, of work that uh, needs to be done in the meantime. Yeah, on a side note, New Style, back when they were in operation in the 70s and uh, very early 80s, was a customer of mine. So, oh, really? Because yeah. of the jewelry connection? Yeah, you did I, boxes sold them, for them. I sold them packaging. Yes, oh, sir. sure. Yeah. 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 So. Indeed. So then you moved into legislation for action. And I think there was a couple that were leave out. So people who want the details can get into the Franklin Matters news stories, uh, clearly look at the recording, video, et cetera, available. It's now available on YouTube as well. Um, but at least to highlight for the conversation here, you had three resolutions, one of which was with the town clerk uh, elected official salary. Yes, uh, because... The town clerk is an elected position. Uh, the town council has to uh, vote a uh, annual salary for that position. One of the things that uh, we've done uh, over the last few months is we have a consultant working uh, on many, uh, on really kind of all of the non-union uh, uh, department head salaries to see if, in fact, uh, where we are in the marketplace, making sure that uh, our people are properly compensated uh, because we have such a great team uh, in place and certainly the town clerk being part of that team. So uh, because it, this is something we have to do annually, uh, we did vote last night to uh, increase the uh, town clerk's salary to 96000 uh, annually, which is something uh, we feel very, we feel is, very, is fair uh, to not only uh, 
the town clerk, but to uh, the, the town as well. And kind of falls right into the uh, mix of uh, where the comparable uh, town clerks are uh, across the state. So. Yeah, so one of the options had been to just leave it at, I think it was 90 or there was actually, I think may have been a lower number, but that's beside the point. So you could have left it alone and wait for the study to come back. Yeah. Or in the meantime, knowing that there would be an increase, let's just, I mean, she's doing good work. Let's just mm -hmm. give her the increase now and see what the study comes back with, which may still call for another increase. That very, very well could have. And basically the country was like 88,000, roughly 88.6, somewhere in there. And uh, with the projected increase across the board, where it had, was going to be bumped to 90. Uh, but because it's something we have to vote and it's a resolution every time that you have to do this, mm -hmm. it just made sense to come up with a number that uh, everybody was comfortable with to uh, do this for FY23. So. Right. And then one of the other complicators from because it is the elected position, you only legally can make a vote to change that once a year. Correct. Correct. So that's why it didn't make sense to uh, uh, just leave it at the uh, the 88 or the 90 rather. Uh, but to at least try and deal with it uh, and make sure that we were in and in a number area that was uh, going, that we were comfortable was going to fall into where the consultant was going to come back with. And we did have a discussion or two with the consultant prior to coming up with that number. Mm -hmm. So we are pretty comfortable that that was the. Right. Right. Uh, yep. And then being mindful of the law and the changes as well. So. Absolutely. Yeah. sticking to the letter of the law as we need to above <laughs> all uh, be transparent Not always, easy, but always required yes so. yes indeed and then you get into it a second the capital plan round two came back now that winter fortunately is over and those bills have been finally paid you had some additional uh free cash available to allocate according to some prioritizations on different projects uh, correct. So uh, this is something that happens pretty much annually uh, where we set the capital, obviously, be prior to the budget uh, being approved. But then there's always a round two. Uh, sometimes there's even a round three. But in this particular case, uh, round two, which we voted last night, was uh, roughly 830,000 uh, snow and ice. Obviously, that uh, was two hundred and twenty-nine or two hundred thirty thousand, roughly, for um, the additional from what we were we had budgeted this past year. This and this is something that happens annually. We you have to budget a number. We budget the number, and then we come back and adjust. Uh, most of the time, it's uh, in round two of the capital that the adjustments made. And it's pretty, the number, uh, which I think ended up being 1.2, uh, is a number that we're, is, we're pretty consistent when 
with snow and ice uh, mm -hmm. annually, and this was uh, falls right into that category. So uh, there was no surprise there. Then uh, technology, uh, we did add some desktop docking station computers, uh, kind of uh, put out to pasture some 2014 versions, uh, trying to bring, bring us up into uh, somewhat uh, closer to current. Mm. Um, yeah, getting rid of some Windows 7 systems, if anybody <laughs> remembers those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, as most, a lot of people will know, Windows 7 is not supported by Microsoft anymore. So therefore, you do have to bring it up to Windows 10 anyway. So uh, that was a uh, $90,000. And then uh, the uh, roads infrastructure sidewalk snap trail uh, was another uh, $510,000. And uh, it's given us an opportunity to do a little more work on the snap trail, which is getting uh, an awful lot of use, uh, which is another great thing that the community has done. And our state legislators uh, with state grants as well as some from uh, our town coffers have uh, really done a nice job in putting together the uh, SNET trail. Indeed, yeah, as a SNET user frequently, um, it's, it's a great place to go and I'll be definitely utilizing the Grove Street through the Pleasant Street section much more frequently once it's completed because as those who have been out there, it has, rough spots and when it's wet which is not recent um it really gets wet in a couple of spots there so some of those drainage issues will get taken care of the smoothness will get laid out it'll be a nicer surface and oh by the way uh, brutus was also saying they're going to expand the parking lot at groove street as well so to accommodate some of the additional uses there'll be more parking there so that'll be good and then uh the last one was uh Resolution authorizing additional borrowing money uh, for the Beaver Street Interceptor, which uh, we had approved back last fall um, for, uh, I believe it was in the 25 million range. Yeah, 25 million was the number I recall. Yep. Yeah. And Unfortunately, times being what they are, as everybody's aware, uh, uh, costs are not staying stagnant. They are increasing and at a scary rate for sure. Uh, and everybody's feeling it and at the grocery store, at the gas station, um, uh, retail, uh, just across the board, everybody's feeling uh, the price uh, price increases that's that are happening. So this is not dissimilar. Uh, we, when we went out, we thought we we're in the 25 million, million range. Uh, we're getting closer to uh, this uh, getting started and there was a need to vote an additional uh, 8 million to complete the project. So we didn't, uh, we voted to authorize uh, that 8 million. So it increased 
the Beaver Street Interceptor, which for those listening for the first time is our the major uh, our major sewer line um, that uh, runs right down. Uh, <laughs> Not in the best place. Uh, through come, the wetlands of all places. <laughs> through, through the wetlands, along the uh, railroad tracks, along 140. So this is just a complete uh, rework or, or a new uh, Beaver Street Interceptor that we will be hopefully starting in the fall. And last night, what we did was uh, authorize the uh, our DPW and our uh, administrative team to uh, get this process started and increase the number from 25 million to 33 million. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of points to add to that. Uh, your summary was good as usual. And my attention to detail can add a couple of points of interest for the for folks to listen to. Uh, Clearly, at the time you made the authorization of the $25 million, that was mostly internal and working with a consultant. They've continued to work with other consultants to fine-tune the reporting, the analysis, the capability of the project, and the materials, et cetera. Um, originally, they were looking to do kind of a drilling through uh, the ground, so it would be mostly underground drilling. It turns out that some of the capability of that because of the area we'd be going through doesn't allow that. So it actually is going to be a surface operation. So there will be some traffic amelioration. So as one lane of 140 will get moved along a little bit at a time to do the drilling and the digging, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one aspect for the increase. Um, but to then to the point where as part of the SRF, and I forget the actual name as to what it is, but it's a state funding mechanism, which will give us initially 2%, but because we're also part of the housing community, gives us a 1.5% interest rate. And clearly, we've also just gotten the AAA, but the AAA bond rating just got us 3.3%. So this state funding is even better than the AAA would give us. So yeah, it's more money, but it's a better analysis of what the true costs are going to be. And there's still some contingencies built into that. Um, but we're doing one, what is needed to do? Because it's been certainly mentioned a number of times in our conversations, as well as every time it's been mentioned, this is a hundred plus year thing. It could break at any point in time. And I think you said last night, fingers crossed for the next, what, 30 months? <laughs> for the next 30 months, our fingers are crossed. Uh, you know, because I think the analogy that probably is worth stating uh, uh, the town of Plymouth has uh, had a similar situation and their uh, main sewer uh, failed um, and they weren't prepared and mm -hmm. they immediately had to deal with it and to the tune of $71 million. Right. Uh, this was a couple of years ago and that is uh, certainly an area that we do not want to go to. So uh, every time we talk about Beaver Street Interceptor, I cross my fingers and I say, just get us to the end of the mm -hmm. project and uh, we'll be very happy campers and be able to say thank you. Uh, we really got lucky because uh, this infrastructure is over 100 years old. So 
And in uh, some cases, some areas, it goes right underneath buildings that right. are existing. So, yeah, never mind along the wetlands, which if it did split there would yeah. complicate. So even Plymouth paid 70, but they weren't even dealing with wetlands. <laughs> exactly. That we would have to deal with. So. Right, right. Yeah, so bottom line, no, I, don't it like cost... I don't like to go there, Steve. So, no, I'm... no, no, <laughs> not at all. Just, you, you've made the approval, it's going forward. There will be some pain over the 30 months once it starts. But I think, given the planning and the police details that were added, we'll be able to see the progress as they're doing it above the surface. So, it'll be a little bit at a time, it'll take some time, but then it'll get done. And yeah, we'll be able to sleep well at night. Exactly. Yeah. Indeed. So that was kind of the recap, I think, of certainly the highlights of last night's meetings. And as we uh, as we move into this weekend, uh, uh, as we talked offline, Steve, there's many things going on in our community over the next month. Uh, not the least of which starts tomorrow with the strawberry stroll, uh, ladybug uh, trail walk, uh, all kinds of uh, great things going on in the community. Yep. Yeah, from a calendar perspective, which for folks should be aware, the community calendar, at least from the community events perspective, is managed by Franklin Matters under Franklin TV and in coordination with Franklin uh, Cultural Council, Cultural District. This weekend is so chock full on the calendar. It is just amazing how many things are happening Thursday night through Sunday, culminating as well with a a support for Ukraine event on the town common at five. So we don't want to lose kind of that in the mix. There's something happening all the time. And June is a full month. Uh, It just speaks, I think, to the overall piece of what, you know, Franklin has a good life. It's not perfect. There are some issues here and there, which we're working on from time to time. And this weekend at least gives us a chance to celebrate um, with some farmer's market events, different. The Ladybug Trail gets revealed. Art Walk has multiple events. Uh, Black Box has performances. High School Theater has a performance Thursday night. Um, and then more performances, I believe, Friday night and Saturday. Check the community calendar for all the details and certainly enjoy because there's a lot happening. Absolutely. Indeed. Well, thank you for taking time to provide this recap for us. We appreciate your time and effort because your role as well is a volunteer effort, just like ours is. And volunteers are good. We need those to do what we need to do to make the things happen in the town. So, And Steve, thank you very much. And a glass reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. 
By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.